Welcome to the American Council of Christian Churches podcast. Since 1941, Bible-believing Christians holding to the great fundamental truths of the Word of God as held by the historic Christian Church have worked through the ACCC to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Through this podcast, you'll hear general and breakout sessions from our conventions and meetings and the Council's official resolutions and publications. Today's podcast is a message given by Rev. Jonathan Smith at the ACCC's 2021 Annual Convention at Hardingville Bible Church in Monroeville, New Jersey. Jonathan is the pastor of Tipton Bible Church in Tipton, Iowa, and currently serves as secretary of the ACCC. in your Bibles with me, please, to John chapter 14. John 14. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak to you today. What a glorious privilege it is to proclaim the unchanging truths of our unchanging Savior. John 14, verse 27, we consider the subject Christ peace not world peace. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glory, the greatness of who you are, the beauty of your holiness. Lord, we thank you so much that in your divine providence you have brought us back together again. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Lord, we thank you for the word of God and for the word that we have heard already in this conference. Lord, we thank you for the strengthening, the encouragement, the comfort we receive from the word. Help us, Lord, to stand in these evil days, and having done all to stand. Father, we ask now that you would quiet our hearts before you. Fill me with your spirit, and use your word in each heart. We look to you for that which you alone can accomplish. And we pray it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. My father, who many of you know, came to know the Lord as his Savior in 1949 in a rural Methodist church south of Tipton, Iowa. And not long after that, He was drafted in the army and sent to Korea in the Korean conflict. As a a new believer, dad had no desire to take the life of another human being. And so he took that desire to the Lord in prayer. In Korea, the war raged. Nearly 3 million people died. Almost 37,000 United States soldiers were killed in battle. But in the midst of that war, God gave peace to my dad. And he did it in two ways. First of all, he answered his prayer. Dad was stationed with an outfit that employed the printing press in propaganda warfare. He was mercifully spared from combat. Secondly, in the midst of that conflict, God opened doors for dad to share the gospel with a number of South Koreans. When he was able, he would go to town and hold Bible studies with a group of South Korean Christians. They would sometimes come out to his military base and ask to see the churchy man. (laughs) That was dad. He was the churchy man. 
What an opportunity. You see, folks, it is the glory of God to point people to Christ and give peace in the midst of conflict. The world we live in is is marked by violence and bloodshed. World peace has sometimes been described as the lull in battle when everybody stops to reload. And with great sadness, we have witnessed the erosion of peace in our country like we never thought we would see. Mass shootings, increased violence, riots, brazen attacks against law enforcement, a complete lack of civility in politics. We face conflict in our communities, in our churches, and sadly sometimes in our own families. We reflect back on the measure of peace that we have enjoyed, but now peace would seem to be a thing of the past. In John 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. And Jesus had predicted that he would suffer and die and rise again the third day. He told them that one of them would betray him. He told them in chapter 13 that he was going away, but they could not come with him. They were confused, disappointed, and filled with sorrow. So in John 14, verse 27, Jesus says to the troubled hearts of his disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace was the common greeting and farewell of that day. Shalom in the Hebrew had the idea of wholeness, completeness, well-being. It expressed a desire for safety, prosperity, and blessing. The corresponding Greek word was used in a very similar way. Peace be unto you, and go in peace. But in our text, in our Lord's final discourse with his disciples before his crucifixion, he did something more than to wish them well-being and prosperity. He said, peace I leave with you. And in those words, we see that Christ's peace is a peace that comes from his person. Consider who it is that says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. This is the one whom the prophet foretold. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. At his birth, the angels of God filled the heavens with their praises. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. At his triumphal entry, the people praised him. Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You see, Jesus is the only one who is qualified and able to bring peace on earth and peace in heaven. He is the only one who is able to reconcile sinful men with a just and holy God. We consider then that Christ's peace is a peace that comes from his provision. Peace I leave with you. Yes, Christ was leaving them, but in his departure he would bestow a priceless inheritance upon them. Peace I leave with you. Christ speaks here of of the objective reality of peace. What he gives identifies the desperate need of the world without Christ. We were the enemies of God. What a horrifying and hopeless position to be in. To be at war with God. Dead in trespasses and sins. Lost. Condemned facing an unending future in a furnace of God's fiery wrath poured out against us. The vast majority in this world are traveling on that broad road that leads to destruction. But in love and mercy, God calls out to guilty sinners. He offers them pardon through repentance and faith in Christ. He offers to them the peace that comes with pardon. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. 
And the very next day, he procured our peace on the cross. It's Colossians 1.20 says, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Isaiah 53.5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. He took our place. He suffered the wrath of God for us. Romans 5.1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God is what God gives to sinners who believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Peace with God. The guilt is gone. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ we are fully reconciled to God. The hostilities are ended. God is no longer our enemy. He is our friend. We may come boldly to the throne of grace because of the work of our great high priest. Many in this world who do not know Christ experience great unrest and uneasiness in their souls. Through fear of death, they are all their lifetime subject to bondage. They sense that they will have to stand before God and give account to him. But they are unaware that their lack of peace is not just a feeling. God is warning them of the very real danger they are in. But to those who believe in Christ, Jesus says, Peace, I leave with you. On the basis of the peace that he gives, he says to believers, Let not your heart be troubled. He said it back in verse 1 of John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. We contemplate a little bit of a paradox as we remember that just two chapters earlier in John 12, 27, Christ said, now is my soul troubled. Christ in omniscience contemplated the cross. He knew that he would be separated from his father. As he, su- as he suffered the wrath of God for us. Yes, Jesus' soul was troubled so that you and I might never have to be troubled. That is the peace that Christ provides for those who trust in him alone. In John 14, 27, we find that Christ's peace is a peace that comes from his preeminence. Peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Our Lord clearly specifies what the peace that he gives is not. It is not like the peace the world gives. There is a peace that the world gives. Many in this world long for peace. Many efforts have been made to accomplish peace. The world speaks of peace. They may use greetings of peace and express their wishes for peace, but they have no ability to actually accomplish peace. The world is unable to achieve peace because they are incapable of changing the sin nature of man. That's the bottom line. The psalmist said in Psalm 28, verse 3, Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Oh, there are many words of peace in this world spoken by deceitful, evil hearts. In this world, there will always be war, strife, division, disease, and death because of sin. The world does not comprehend that a lack of peace comes first and foremost because God is the enemy of sinful mankind. The way of peace they have not known. We see the ignorance of this peril so clearly demonstrated in the false religions of this world, including an enormous number of so-called Christian churches who are teaching false doctrine. 
How many churches are proclaiming the goodness of man and salvation based on the works of man? They want people to feel good about themselves. So they only speak what is positive. They talk about love and joy and peace and unity while millions upon millions who follow them are living without Christ and dying without Christ. They're like the false prophets in Jeremiah who cried, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Recently, my wife and I drove by a mainline Protestant church in a nearby town in rural Iowa, and with sadness, we observed that the steps of this beautiful, old, ornate church building were painted the colors of the rainbow with a sign above the door, hashtag, we choose welcome. But Isaiah 57, 21 says, there is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. Yes, all are welcome who are willing to repent of their sin and trust in Christ alone for their salvation. The world does not possess the peace of Christ, reminded of what the prophet said in Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, verses 19 through 21. The Lord says through the prophet, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. Wonderful prophecy of the peace that Christ would give to the world. Verse 20, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. The wicked are like the troubled sea. They are ever seeking peace. Peace through meditation, alcohol, drugs, psychology, exercise, business, the accumulation of wealth, relationships, entertainment, experiences, politics, and false religion. Peace is sought by avoiding confrontation. Peace is often sought by diplomacy, distraction, and deceit. But the peace that this world gives is a peace that does not last. They are powerless to accomplish a certain peace. They are unable to produce a future peace. We look around us today and we see the increasing efforts to achieve political and societal peace by something called social justice. And on the surface, shouldn't everyone want social justice? Social justice claims to seek fairness and equality for all in in education, health care, and economics. It claims to protect society against discrimination from racism, sexuality-based discrimination, gender discrimination, and even religious-based discrimination. But in reality, the social justice that is so popular today is just another form of Marxism and communism. As preachers of the gospel, we need to publicly oppose this encroaching communism, even as Dr. Carl McIntyre, who founded the ACC 80 years ago, boldly confronted the communism of his day. Marxism doesn't bring peace. It doesn't even seek peace. The goal is to continually stir up dialectical conflict or struggle, which they propose will eventually, through revolutionary change, bring uh, bring about a utopian society. The problem is no one, except for the ruling elite, want to live in their utopia. (laughs) It is Marxism at work today that is causing much of the deep division and conflict over a multiplicity of issues. They only offer peace to those who are willing to surrender their own views and espouse the approved doctrine. 
Marxism denies God, rejects Christ, and repudiates the peace of Christ. The false churches of the world are enamored with the world's message of social justice. The 11th Assembly of the World Council of Churches has been postponed now to August 31 to September 6, 2022. I'm sure Brother Dan has that on his calendar. He's eyeing that carefully. The theme is Christ's love moves the world to, to reconciliation and unity. The World Council General Secretary said, quote, the theme will help to focus on the ecumenical movement as a movement of love seeking to follow Christ and witness to Christ's love expressed in the search for justice and peace and unity based on that, end quote. In the World Council's Ecumenical Review, one of the authors, Kirsty Borthwick from Western Europe, focused on how Christ's love overcomes the powers of death and she highlighted three crises, COVID-19, climate change, and racial injustice. Another example comes from the United Church of Christ website that employs the headline, Working for a Just World for All. Their website advertises a new music resource, quote, marking the anniversary of George Floyd's death in custody, the United Reformed Church, our partner in the UK, has published a music resource with themes of racial justice and responses to COVID-19. New words are created for familiar hymn tunes, end quote. One of those songs is called Cry I Can't Breathe. The author John Campbell says, quote, the words of George Floyd and others pinned down by police have become a rallying cry for much wider issues of injustice. This song seeks to invite Christians to share the cry and join the struggle. Join the struggle. He's openly calling for Marxism. The song says, cry I can't breathe with those pinned down to die. When law enforcers kill, all help deny. Another verse says, Cry in this now with those who've had enough, who march to end injustice harsh and rough. Cry in this now with all who would proclaim that black lives matter. Let us end the shame. End quote. Another new hymn is called The Pain and the Outrage. But I will spare you the pain and the outrage. <laughs> Instead of singing hymns of praise to the one who is worthy of all praise, instead of teaching one another that which is in accord with sound doctrine in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, these new hymns focus on man, not God. They honor criminals and promote lawlessness. They align themselves with the agendas of Marxism, socialism, and communism. And sadly, it's not just the mainline churches and the theological liberals. Contemporary evangelicalism has been quick to jump on board in varying degrees. For example, if you get on the Evangelical Free Church of America EFCA blog, all you have to do is just browse down through the, the blog titles to see what they're all about. Church, stand firm against racism. Owning America's history of injustice. Reflections on MLK Day, remembering and following the example of Martin Luther King Jr. End of quote. Might I recommend to you an excellent resolution on Martin Luther King Jr. by the American Council of Christian Churches. So many contemporary churches are reflecting the philosophies and values of this world instead of the inerrant truth of our immutable Savior. They are pursuing and promoting a peace that the world gives, not the peace that Christ gives. Instead of lining up with the Word of God, they're lining up with those who have no peace. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. 
The peace of Christ is not a false peace that obtains a facade of peace by ignoring the vital truths of biblical doctrine. It is not a peace that comes from compromise with the evil philosophies and practices of this crooked generation. As an old preacher once said, error and truth can never walk together in peace, end quote. Dear ones, let us not be distracted or deceived by the false peace that this world offers. Let us not be satisfied with anything less than what he is. Consider, please, from our text that Christ's peace is a peace that comes from his possession. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. The world cannot give true peace or lasting peace because it doesn't have peace. But the peace that Christ gives is a peace that he possesses to an infinite degree. We see here that which reflects the beauty and the glory of our Savior. There was a peace and tranquility that our Savior had when he walked on this earth. He faced the disturbance of nature. There he was in that fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee. There rises a great tempest. Waves are crashing over the boat, threatening to destroy them. Seasoned fishermen were terrified. But he was asleep in the boat. The disciples woke him with their fearful cries, Lord, save us, we perish. But he said, Why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? And to that great tempest he said, Peace, be still. The disciples marveled. What manner of man is this? He faced the danger of disease, fever, and even leprosy. Early in his ministry, a leper came to him in desperation. Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Let that sink in for a moment. He touched a man with a highly contagious disease and the death rate for that disease was 100% unless God intervened. Jesus said, I will be thou clean. He faced the power and fury of demons in the maniac of Gadara who was possessed by a multitude of demons. He faced the devil himself in his great temptation in the wilderness. He faced the design of the political and religious system that was intent on destroying him. At Nazareth, they tried to throw him off a cliff. At other times, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but he passed through their midst because his hour had not yet come. How many times his enemies presented him with questions designed to trap him and bring him to trial and execution? But with steadfast resolve and infinite wisdom, he answered their questions. And it was they who had no answer for him. He faced distractors that would cause him to fear. Get thee out and depart, for Herod will kill thee. But Jesus said, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today, and tomorrow and the third day I shall be perfected. Christ was undisturbed by everything that stood against him. He was undeterred from accomplishing the goal that was ever before him. He faced increasing levels of opposition and intensity of hatred, but with calm repose, he confronted the onslaught of evil against him. With quiet fortitude, he ever spoke the truth and did the will of God. In perfect peace, he absorbed all of that rage without even a hint of change in his disposition. Then our Savior faced denial and betrayal. He faced suffering and death. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter 
And as a sheep before her shearers were dumb, so openeth he not his mouth. He had a peace that came from perfect faith and absolute trust in his father. In the stillness of his heart, he said, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Oh, what peace our Lord possesses. And now, Christ says to us, My peace I give unto you. We look around us today at a very troubled world. We face disease and demonic powers and the work of the devil and political and religious systems that hate the followers of Christ. And yet we can say with joyful hearts, thank you, Lord, for giving us your peace. There is no other peace like the peace that Jesus gives. We see that Christ's peace is a peace that comes from his promises. Our brother has talked to us about that this morning. Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Do we believe the promise? In his holy word, God has given us exceeding great and precious promises. What comfort and encouragement and peace we have from the promises of God in Christ. Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. What do we do in the turbulent times we're living? What do we do in the midst of deprivation and distress? We must cling to the promises of God. One of the promises he gave to them in verse 13 was the promise of prayer. What peace we have in prayer. Believing his promise. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We must go to him in prayer. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Not only does God give us, does Christ give us peace with God, he gives to us the peace of God that passes all understanding, guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What a promise. He is faithful that promised. God always keeps his word. All the promises of God are yea and amen in him. What peace he gives us. What peace we will have if we look forward to that great day when Christ shall come again as he promised. And there will at last be peace on earth. In John 14 verse 27, we see that Christ's peace is a peace that comes from his precepts. At the end of this verse, we find two commands. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He speaks here of a cowering fear. We noted earlier that this command is, is repeated from verse 1. Why the repetition? Why is the Lord saying it again? Well, remember, the, the disciples were very troubled that night. Christ spoke to them words of comfort and assurance. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. But the disciples didn't understand. They were plagued with doubt and fear and confusion. We see it in their questions that continue. Thomas in verse 5. Philip in verse 8. Judas, not Iscariot, in verse 22. They were still afraid. So Jesus repeats the command. And too many times in the midst of our troubling circumstances, we also continue in fear. So he continues to say to us, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
Peace is found in believing Christ and obeying his commands. Do not be troubled or afraid. So many live in fear. And when we see the chaos around us, we may wonder, how am I going to be calm? How am I going to communicate and exemplify a peaceful and quiet spirit to those whom God has entrusted to my spiritual care? The divisions in our country have affected the church from racial issues to COVID responses. Even believers have been deeply divided. But if we will keep our focus on Christ, then we can be the peacemakers that he wants us to be. We can pursue peace as he has commanded us to do. If we focus on the storm like Peter did, We're going to sink. It's Christ that we need. It's his love, his joy, his peace that binds our hearts together. It's his direction that protects us from fear. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Christ doesn't give fear. He gives peace. And on the basis of that peace, he commands us not to be troubled or afraid. Whenever God gives a command, he gives the grace and power to obey the command. So then, let not our hearts be disquieted by politics or pandemic or any other instrument of Satan to divide us and distract us from faith and obedience to Christ. In Matthew 7, Jesus told the parable of the wise man and the foolish man, the one who survives the storms of life is the one who hears the word of Christ and does them. Christ's peace is a peace that comes from his presence. The disciples were troubled that night at the news that Jesus was leaving them and they could not follow. But he gave them assurance in John 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Christ would send to them the blessed Holy Spirit the paraclete, the one called alongside to their help. In verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Oh, what peace he gives through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He has given to us another of the same kind of comforter. We face many trials in this life. We we face the growing hostility of a world that hates Christ. We face the proliferation of false teaching. We face the expansion of compromise with that false teaching. We face the dangers of division in the church. We've struggled. We have struggled with lower attendance, financial pressures because of COVID. We face all of the problems of living in a sinful world, but we do not face any of that alone. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The trials come. Oh, how they have come. In March of 2020, my mother-in-law who lived with us fell and broke her back. In April, my father, who was 90 at the time, fell and broke his hip. In June, I I very unexpectedly had a stroke. I continued to have many neurological episodes in which I felt like I was having more strokes and I was uncertain if I would live or die. In October of 2020, I had a heart catheterization for a PFO closure. PFO is a small hole between the upper chambers of the heart, which is supposed to close at birth, but mine did not. And they believed that to be the cause of my stroke. In December, my wife was hospitalized with COVID pneumonia for four days. Our whole house got COVID. I was out of the pulpit for a solid month. I ended up at the ER with COVID pneumonia. And by the way, brethren, 
Thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you for your prayers. There were people in Kenya praying for me. In isolation with COVID in our basement, God did give peace through great affliction and uncertainty. Psalm 23 was the passage that undergirded me through that time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So many times in in the trials of life, we're sorely tempted to put the focus on man and specifically on ourselves. And we're so often consumed with second causes. We're consumed with the what ifs. We, we go down the road of why, Lord? Why is this happening to me? Self becomes our focus. But if we will look up, if we will look into the word, we will understand and recognize by faith that God is good. God is the omnipotent one, the Lord of hosts. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. He is the sovereign ruler of the universe. And he is the sovereign Lord of our lives. A month ago, on September 19, been feeling great. The Lord's given healing. And thanking and rejoicing the Lord. I get up and I start feeling this increasing pain in my lower back. I get dressed for church and I went over to church, but the pain continued to grow. I contacted one of our men and arranged for him to take the service. I called my wife, who is my resident ambulance driver. She is very experienced, (laughs) it's sad to say. And she sang hymns with me. As she took me to the hospital, it was a three millimeter kidney stone and it was stuck, which meant stent, surgery, and a few days later, stent removal. All I can say is, you don't want it. (laughs) I don't want it. And brothers and sisters, so many of you have experienced great trials in these last two years. We might throw up our hands. Where is God in all these things? But dear ones, God is right where he has said he is. He is with us. Even in the valley of the shadow of death. He is with us. In all our affliction, he is afflicted. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We go through these physical trials. We, we go through the emotional upheaval and, and the pain that comes from all the pressures that are brought to bear on us in society. And, and along with all of that are the great spiritual battles that are taking place. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. But dear ones, let us fasten our eyes. Let us fix our faith. Let us place all our confidence in the one who died and rose again and has been exalted far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. This exalted one is our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one who said to the sorrowing hearts of his disciples, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The storm is raging, but Christ is in the boat. No water can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. Sometimes he gives no word 
to stop the storm. But he does speak peace to our hearts. Dear ones, what a blessed purpose of peace our Lord has, even in allowing us to suffer. He uses these trials to purge us, to purify us. Through them, he is making us more like Jesus. We do not know the certainty of our living on this earth. I know that more clearly now than I ever have before. But dear ones, if we belong to the Lord, we have nothing to fear. We will enter into eternal peace and rest as my mother-in-law did in January, as Mrs. Colas did, what was it, two weeks ago, less than two weeks ago. And in our executive meeting, President Mook spoke of several longtime ACC brethren who have now gone to be with the Lord, Dr. Richard Harris, Brother Chet Chapman, Dr. Mark Allison. You know, as I thought about those men and women who have departed now, couldn't help but thinking back to Isaiah 57, verses 1 and 2. The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth it to heart. And merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. What a mercy of God on these dear brothers and sisters in Christ who have labored for him. They're taken away from the wickedness and the mess of this world. Verse 2, he shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Christ peace is a peace that must be proclaimed. What does this world need in the midst of all of the sin and sorrow and fear and turmoil and anger and hatred? They need the gospel of peace. Brethren, it is not the time to retreat. It is not the time to draw back. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Will you continue to use your feet to go? Will you continue to use your lips to proclaim the glorious peace that we have in Christ? The world ever seeks to make us afraid, but oh, that we might stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together, for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by our adversaries. The world wants to silence the message of true peace through Christ, but Christ's peace is a peace that will ever be praised. The scripture speaks of great peace, perfect peace, abundance of peace, multiplied peace, and peace that passeth all understanding. That's a peace that only Christ can give. The world has no comprehension or explanation for the countless Christian martyrs who have gone through suffering and death with songs of praise to the Lord upon their lips. Spurgeon tells of one of the reformers of old who was fastened to the stake. The executioner expressed his sorrow that he should persevere in his opinions and compel him to set fire to the pile. And the martyr answered, come and lay your hand on my heart and see if it does not beat quietly. The executioner did so, and he was astonished at his peace. Now, said the martyr, lay your hand on your own heart and see if you are not more troubled than I am. Then go your way, and instead of pitying me, Pity yourself. That is the peace of Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, let's not buy into the false peace of the world. Their peace has a current of hatred and division running all the way through it. 
Theirs is a message of peace that cannot bring peace. But Christ is our peace. Who has broken down the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile? In Christ there are no racial or social barriers of any kind. There is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. But Christ is all and in all. It is Christ and his all-sufficient work in his death and resurrection who shall in triumph unite in peace forever a great multitude which no man can number of every kindred, tribe, and nation. And to the heavenly Jerusalem, God himself has promised that great shall be the peace of her children. C.H. Spurgeon said, Look upward, and you will perceive no seat of fiery wrath to shoot devouring flame. Look downward, and you discover no hell, for there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Look back, and sin is blotted out. Look around, and all things work together for good to them that love God. Look beyond, and glory shines through the veil of the future like the sun through a morning's mist. Look outward, and the stones of the field and the beast of the field are at peace with us. Look inward, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keeps our hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. By God's grace, may we let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. Amidst all of the change and uncertainty of this world, May our hearts be fixed on Christ, our faith anchored in the word, our minds so kept by his matchless peace that even our dispositions would reflect a peace that can only come from the one who never changes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the beauty of our Savior. Thank you for the peace that he has and the peace that he gives to us so freely, so undeservedly. Thank you for the promise. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Oh, for grace to trust you more. We pray it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.